The following program is a presentation of Grace Communion International and Grace Communion Seminary and is made possible by generous donations from viewers like you. On this episode of You're Included, theologian Dr. Gary Detto explains our participation with Christ in calling people to God and in our transformation. Our host is Dr. Michael Morrison. You know, I've heard uh, theologians talk about how we participate with God uh, in His life. Uh, could you tell me a little bit more about how we, as human beings, participate in God, who seems so unlike us? Yes, that particular word is uh, of great interest uh, to me. It has its roots, especially in the New Testament. That word that we translate participate can also be translated sharing or partnership or being together with, actually. Some people even know the, the Greek word koinonia. Um, so our fellowship, our communion, uh, our participation, that really is all the same, pointing to the same reality uh, there. Now our participation, there's two, two things, and, and my mentor, James B. Torrance, used to emphasize this, the twin doctrines he used to say, of our union with Christ and our participation in Christ. So what God has done in Christ is united himself to us. So we are united to Christ uh, in order to participate in the ongoing life of Christ. Now, this is the work that God, first of all, did in Christ to join us to himself by taking on our humanity in the incarnation and to make himself one with us and us one with Him. Uh, now the fruit of that is a life of participation, sharing. A simple analogy would be uh, like participating in, let's say, a baseball game. Um, in this case, let's say you're on the team. Uh, you have a uniform. You have a position that's been assigned. All the training uh, you need ha has been uh, yours. In, in practice, and now you participate in the game as if you're on the team, you have the uniform, uh, you've had uh, the training to be on the team, and you play your part. So you're participating. But notice your participating doesn't put you on the team. It doesn't give you the uniform. It doesn't give you the identity or the purpose. That's given to you. Uh, by being made part of the team. That's the union with Christ. For participation would be to play in the game. So in this case, Christianity is not a spectator sport. It's not like uh, God is doing something rather down on the field and we look with our field glasses down to see what's going on. No, by being united to Christ, we're actually a part of the game. We're down on the field, not watching, but joining Christ in what he's doing. So the key to participation then is realizing the gift of being on the team and uh, the joy and the privilege and the freedom of getting involved in the very things Jesus is doing. That's interesting analogy there about how we participate. It made me think that this team that you're talking about, of how we're participating with each other as well. Uh, does that flow out of this, uh, I don't know, divine participation as well? Is that true to the way we live uh, in Christ? 
Very much so. As Christ comes, he calls us to join him, but to join him together with others. That is, he calls us to be his people. So he does call us individually, but he calls us individually to be a part of his one people. That is the church, the ecclesia, the ones who are the called out ones is who we are. So to be joined to Christ then is to be joined with all those others who are joined to him. And of course, the Apostle Paul's image in the New Testament is Christ is the head and we are members of his body one to another. So that yes, we participate together with all those who are also called uh, under Christ to share in his life. As we participate with one another in this analogy of the game, the game has certain rules. Are there rules that uh, are relevant to our participation in Christ? Well, we could describe them as rules, but usually that's pretty misleading. Let's talk about how about purpose. Is there purpose? What's going mm-hmm. on? And so it's important to know as we're the head coach or what the team is. And what God is doing together is to bring about his saving purposes. God is still calling others to himself to share his divine life with them. So when we're on that team, that team already has a purpose, not one I give it or decide to, but it is to continue and to participate in Christ's ongoing ministry to call people to him, uh, for them to receive life from him and then live out a transformed life uh, in him. So there is uh, a purpose that's guiding it more than just rules. So God has a purpose for his creation of humanity. Uh, You described a little bit of that in terms of like a transformed life. Is is that uh, his primary purpose in what he's done with us? Well, he calls us into relationship uh, with him. And because we're creatures, uh, we grow up in that relationship. And we interact with others as we're growing up in that relationship. So a lot of the dynamics is actually giving and receiving. Uh, First of all, uh, we receive Christ's word from us, his love, his forgiveness, and also his empowerment of the Holy Spirit uh, to share in, to join him, in his own continuing ministry to draw others. Uh, so uh, that's how we're incorporated kind of into this uh, purpose and the aim and ends uh, that he has. I was intrigued on your word ministry, uh, but then I was thinking longer range you know, in the resurrection life. Will we continue to have ministry with Jesus? Uh, you know, after we're all, we are all resurrected in the new heavens and the new earth, is ministry a good description for what we do? Yes, I think there will be something like it. Now, it's hard to tell exactly what it will be like, but it's not going to be totally unlike what we know here in every way. So I think part of it we can think about as a gift exchange. Uh, so that as we read in the New Testament, you know, some have various gifts of administration, or of liberality, or of helps, these types of things. In the life of God from all eternity, there's been a gift exchange between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus talks about the love with which he was loved by the Father and loved the Father back from all of history. It talks, Jesus talks about his knowing the Father and the Father knowing him from all of history. He talks about God glorifying him and, that, and he glorifying the Father back. There's actually a gift exchange 
in the life of God. Here on earth we have a gift exchange, uh, but it seems to me is because love is a gift exchange. There's going to be some type of giving and receiving perfectly, freely, and unhindered. Now, first of all, it'll be praise and thanksgiving to God. We talk about a worship service sometimes. Well, that worship is a service. It's a ministry. And Christ is our great liturgos, which means our worship leader, or we could translate that and do sometimes, is he's the one true minister. So, worship itself is ministry. That is the gift exchange of God giving us his grace, his mercy, his life. We give thanksgiving and praise back. But we can also turn to one another and pass that on uh, to each other. And so we can tell each other about the wonders, the mercy, the glory, uh, the grace, the righteousness of God, and they respond back, yes and amen. So I do think there will be this kind of continual ministry in Christ, which is a, an incredible gift exchange going on to all eternity between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and also between us as his people, all to the glory of God. It made me think there that uh, Christ is minister. He's ministering to us, and yet, I, I don't know, that seems like uh, maybe a more elaborate description of what love is, uh, is ministry, and how that fits into God's eternal nature. Uh, and that brings me back to participation. We mm -hmm. are participating in the way he is. is that... Well, there's lots of dynamics to this life. Um, so another dynamic of what love that's truly love uh, wants to bring about the perfection of the beloved, if it's not yet perfect. Um, if we love our children and we love them dearly, you know, at one year old in, in diapers, we don't, we don't blame them for that. We're not disappointed in that. That's where they are. But you know what? If they were 16 and still in diapers, we wouldn't be so happy. Something hasn't gone right. What we hope is that they grow up one step at a time. And God is doing that. Love desires the perfection of the beloved. So as God looks down on us, as his children created in Christ and through Christ and to Christ to be inherited by him, he wants us to grow up into the fullness uh, of who he is. So there is this transformation of the individual uh, to become more Christ-like, uh, and that will, of course, change our relationships with each other. But yes, love is ministry, but that ministry is to enable us to grow up, and in the growing up, that means to, be, to give more fully and freely of who we are and what we are, and to receive more freely from another all the life that they have to give us in this great gift exchange. So our growing up, then, is this greater freedom, greater joy, uh, and greater depth, maybe even greater creativity as to how to pass on God's love to us to someone else, to be a channel of his blessing. Um, and that's our perfection. In the end, who has this? Where are we going? We're becoming like Christ. We're growing up in Christ. So we can sum it up saying is as we grow, yes, we become like Christ in his loving uh, communion. As we are like Christ, uh, how is that uh, like or different than God the Father? Uh, you, you keep saying mm -hmm. like Christ uh, mm -hmm. and not 
not like God. Yes. And is there a distinction there? Uh, yes, there is. Um, as we know and hear, like for instance in chapter 1 of the Gospel of John, is that this Son of God, the eternal Word, took on flesh, our flesh, our humanity. So who is this Jesus? When I say Christ, who is this Christ? Well, he's the one that's one with God from all eternity, but now also is now one with us in our humanity. So that he, we say, to summarize it, he's fully God and fully human in one person. So in, when we're becoming uh, like Christ, we're being drawn up to share in his humanity. Participate. And to participate, right. So he take, grabs onto our humanity to heal it, to restore it, to forgive it, and to cut it apart from sin and set us free so that when we become like Christ, we're not becoming like something different from Christ. Uh, we're becoming one with his humanity. He's sharing everything he has with us. So what's his is ours, ours is his. Paul talks about it. he who was rich became poor for our sakes that we might be made wealthy with his riches. See, there's an exchange. There's that gift exchange idea again. So we're linked to Christ's humanity. We're not turning into God. That would as be mm. to turn into his divinity. Okay. No, we're growing up into the fullness of his glorified humanity. Now that humanity includes a perfect relation with divinity that happened in him. You see, Jesus is the only one who perfectly loved God and perfectly loved his neighbor in himself. We're being drawn up to that, not to turn into God, but joined his humanity, united to his humanity. Then we're growing up to love God perfectly as Jesus did and to love our neighbors as Jesus did, all in his humanity. So there's no possibility uh, of this growing up or participating except in and through the humanity of Jesus, his link with us as one of us. Otherwise, our whole life would be either to try to become something we're not, God, or, right, to give up. What's the hope then of trying to do that? I can't be like Jesus, right, we say. Um, no, we are being conformed to his glorified humanity. And that makes all the difference. Uh, and that is why we can participate. You talked about how we are to love perfectly. And I don't see that in myself. Uh, I, that's a frustration for mm -hmm. me. You, you talked about how we need to, or Christ wants to cut sin out of our lives. And, and my frustration is, why isn't he doing that faster? Uh, how does my understanding of Christ help me uh, deal with my own limitations? Well, the, the life that he calls us to is one that's a becoming. Sometimes we like to think of perfection as like a statue, you know, being in the perfect position, you know, spouting water or something or other, never moving. But uh, the life that Christ calls us to uh, here and now is one of transformation from, as Paul talks about, from one degree of glory to another. Now, somehow, God's not that upset that it only happens one degree at a time. Now, I can be and we can be impatient with ourselves. The important thing is to realize is God is patient. He's not impatient with us. And when we fall down, he is actually happy to lift us up and help us take the next step. Uh, the pastor and theologian uh, George MacDonald 
once uh, talked about this type of thing, and he said, on the one hand, God is very easy uh, to please, but hard to satisfy. And then he explained what he meant by that uh, as an illustration of God. Is It's back to that image of the child uh, in the diapers, is every little move we make, God is, takes delight in and is pleased as we respond to his grace uh, to grow up a little bit. It's like, you know, uh, if, if you know parents who have a newborn, you know, every little thing is amazing to them. He moved his head. He lifted it up off the pillow. He turned over. I mean, the smallest, he followed my, my finger, you know. The smallest things mean something to those parents. They're delighted. Uh, but of course, since love desires the perfection of the beloved, they're hoping that other things will develop later on. But you see, a lot of times we think God is impatient with us and thinks we ought to be perfect now. Whereas, no, God understands it's a process. It's a process of growing up in and through the relationship. So God is not anxious about it, uh, about how fast we're going. All, all that Christ is calling us to do is when we fall, get up and let him take the next step. And he can do that and he will do that. Because the job of sanctification, becoming like Christ, is just as much God's responsibility and purpose as our being put in right relationship with God, our justification. Is God ever disappointed with our, uh, I don't know, maybe unwillingness to take a step or taking a step backwards? And if he's disappointed, how are we to react to his disappointment? Mm -hmm. Well, of course, uh, we can't think about our ways of disappointing each other or being disappointed by others and then project that on God. That's mythology, not theology. Mm. Uh, so, yes, does God have some of his own unique kind of uh, disappointment? Uh, perhaps one way to say is, well, if God is disappointed, it's never because he's hopeless. You see, sometimes we're disappointed and we become hopeless. I think that's one of the most devastating things that happens in human relationships is when that element of hopelessness, you're a hopeless case, mm. when that either comes across in tone or in content, it's very devastating. So as it were, some way of saying is God is hopeful. Uh, and the reason God is hopeful for us is because, as Calvin used to like to say, our whole salvation is complete in Christ. And what Calvin uh, saw here is what the Apostle Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, is that our whole salvation, which includes wisdom about who God is, righteousness or justification, being put right and made right with God, but also our sanctification. And here the third point is most important, is that our whole salvation, complete in Christ, means our entire sanctification is complete in Christ. He has it there for us. It's done in him. Now, it unfolds in us, but it's done in him. So God is not worried. What he wants to accomplish for us is complete in Christ. And we receive our sanctification by trusting God for that, just as much as our being put right and made right with God. I'm not sure that I'm hearing what you say correctly. It's like, if my sanctification is entirely in Christ, uh, why do I need to do any of it myself. Uh, he's done it. I mean, he's done it perfectly. Uh, what's my role in this? Well, he's done it 
perfectly for me that I might participate in it. Again, you, we can split. You see, I'm united to Christ, so I don't need to participate. Uh, I, I've mentioned this before at another time, but that would be like saying, is, well, since we're now married, uh, we don't need to live together. No, the point of being married is to live together. The point of being united to Christ and Him completing things, everything for us is to participate in it fully and completely. That's the point. So it's completed in Him for us to share in. That's the whole point. Uh, rather than He did it so I don't have to, no, He did it so that I could. It's like you're saying, uh, I, I want to participate in this uh, sanctification, uh, but the pressure is off. Uh, is, would that be an accurate summary? Yes, very much so. The, the pressure uh, is off. You see, often we, we try to motivate ourselves by pressurizing the system. And what I mean often is we're trying to motivate ourselves to do things by guilt, fear, and anxiety. And a lot of times we also try to motivate others by guilt, fear, and anxiety. Uh, and we can create pressure. And yes, you can get people to do certain things under that pressure. And in fact, I really think that I one day uh, in the past was, I don't know what other word to use, addicted to being mm -hmm. motivated by guilt, fear, and anxiety. But these are not godly and don't honor God, and they aren't what he intends. Christian motivations for doing things is faith, hope, and love. Faith in God, hope in what God's doing, and the love of God for us, trusting in those. Now, these create a different kind of motivational framework. Since all that I'm doing, and Paul works this way. For instance, Paul says in Philippians 1.6, work out your own salvation, you see. Yeah, wow, why would we ever want to take up that? that that's impossible. That's just crazy. Uh, why do we do that? Well, Paul goes on and tell us, work out your own salvation. Why? Because God is completing a work in us. He is working out to do and to will according to his good purpose. So yes, we then can join God in what he's doing. We actually participate in our own as we're growing up into Christ. We get involved uh, to do that. But doing things because we trust God, because we hope in the good thing God has for us, is a very different kind of, if I can even use the word, pressure. Mm. It's more like the free, it's more like a vacuum being pulled into something, rather, instead of pushed and scrunched into it, being drawn out of ourselves. It's a sense of freedom, a sense of privilege. You mean I get to be involved in the very things that Christ is doing? Really? Me? Yes. So the great sense of privilege. So I don't like so much pressure, but yes, is there motive? Yes, there's very much motive of faith and hope and love. But for some people, it seems that pressure works faster. Uh, is, is that accurate? The, the, know, the vacuum, does it work more slowly? As, uh, I we, think so. you know, that's frustrating for us. Yes, well, we, we, we value you know, efficiency, things like uh, that, and uh, getting things done, you know, the can-do people. Yeah, it doesn't seem to me that God values that in the same way we do. That God is patient, God is long-suffering, and he doesn't mind being patient. See, in other words, he's not impatiently patient. <laughs> he really is patient. He takes his time. And that's okay um, with God. 
because he knows the end has been accomplished for us. He's not worried. He's not anxious uh, about it. So, but we do get worried. Um, but you know, that shortcut turns, it seems to me, into a long cut. Um, someone, you know, in some movie I think I saw, somebody started shooting, his, a cowboy started shooting his six-shooter bullets at another guy's feet and said, dance. <laughs> well, that cowboy did dance to dodge the bullets. Uh, yes, you can motivate people out of guilt and fear and anxiety, but it's very short-lived uh, short and short circuits because it leads to burnout. You can only do that for so long, and then your own resources run dry. And I think this is what happens in a lot of Christian lives where we're relying on our re own resources to try to try real hard to become like Christ. And notice we're looking back at ourselves, and now the burden somehow is all back on us. Instead of trusting Christ for his work through his Spirit in us over time, step by step, day by day, uh, so if good, as we receive good things, we're thankful. As we are not faithful, we give our repentance to him again. And God is happy to receive our repentance and take us the next step. So I don't recommend, no, guilt, fear, and anxiety are not the Christian virtues, and they lead to burnout. And sometimes people leave the faith because the pressure is so heavy, they cannot bear it any longer. Um, and I don't think we want to take people down that road. And it seems to me that it's not transformational uh, in the end. It's just uh, the superficial dance. You've been watching You're Included, a production of Grace Communion International.